podcast talking all things health technology and NHS IT. Welcome to Digital Health Unplugged. Hello and welcome to another edition of Digital Health Unplugged. I'm Jordan, junior news reporter, and this is a very nice in-person news team debrief, my first in-person one. Nice to get the news team back together. Editor Hannah Crouch, Editor-in-Chief and CEO John Hoaxma. Hope you're both well. Ready to chat about cybersecurity. That's our buzzword today. We're exploring the recent developments in the ongoing advanced cyber attack saga, if you like, which has rumbled on for well over two months now. Then we're also going to chat about the current lack of national policy around cyber defence. So a topical subject because of the latest advanced updates that we'll come on to but also because it is currently European Cyber Security Month as well. Who knew? Who knew this October? So yeah, let me start by giving you a a little breakdown of the timeline with regards to the advanced cyber security story. 4th of August, to report to the news, there'd been a major outage of multiple health and care systems delivered by business software and services provider Advanced, those systems being Adastra, CareSys, CareNotes, CrossCare and StaffPlan. It was being treated as a critical incident at this point we didn't know anything more until the next day, 5th of August, we reported the outage was confirmed as being related to a cyber attack. Then the next week, 11th of August, Advanced began a forensic investigation into the attack, aiming to find out the root cause and whether sensitive patient data had been accessed. Then we kind of had two months of not a great deal. No one really knew the true situation. There was a bit of a lack of clear updates, I thought. We had many unanswered questions as to the extent of the damage that the attack may have caused until last week at the time of recording, the 13th of October. We had updates at, at last. John had two great pieces published in the last week with kind of big updates. So at this point, I'll hand over to you, John. Do you want to give us a little summary of the two advanced stories that you've done in the last week? Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, John. And nice to be personal. We haven't done an in-person kind of um, podcast recording for ages and ages. Um, the cyber um, story kind of um, linked to advance, I think has been the um, worst um, cyber incident that we know about. We know that there's been sort of um, um, national attacks um, on um, infrastructure, but in terms of a, an attack that's um, affected um, delivery of patient services um, at a lot of kind of trusts um, and other kind of national services, um, it's only been the worst since um, WannaCry in 2017. Um, and as you say, um, that chronology is very helpful. Um, Advance was attacked, um, and it looks like it was a targeted attack, whereas kind of um, WannaCry um, was really kind of, you know, the NHS was collateral damage, it wasn't sort of targeted so much. Um, they, um, they got um, attacked, and the um, malware um, that affected them um, both exfiltrated data and encrypted um, data um, in situ, um, it spread laterally um, onto um, the environments that Advanced um, runs. And worth remembering that Advanced um, is a company that provides um, a range of software um, used by um, NHS 111, used by mental health trusts, used by care homes and other kind of um, providers. Um, and um, essentially um, they had to take down their systems and, and make them unavailable um, and have been unable to recover 
um, most of those ever since. So the priority was given to recovering um, Ad Astra, the software that um, runs the NHS 111 emergency call system. Um, but the um, provision of kind of um, electronic patient record software, particularly to mental health um, trust, um, has been essentially missing in action ever since. And the um, statement that we had from um, Advance last week um, gave a bit more background to it. So um, it, it described um, how the incident um, unfolded, the chronology of the incident, um, but indicated that the reason it's taken so long to get those um, trusts back um, is due to the um, assurance process they were having to go through with the National Cybersecurity Center, NHS Digital, and other agencies involved in um, cybersecurity. And I think that that's raised um, quite a lot of eyebrows from people that we've um, spoken to, um, where um, they're skeptical, frankly, um, whether that's the case. And, and what we um, have learned from um, trust board papers that are beginning to be published by late September of trust that have been affected is that they've treated it as a critical incident. Um, and in the case of um, one that we know of, but we're told um, others as well, they're actually switching away from the advanced care notes um, uh, mental health EPR software um, to an alternative. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's about as bad as it gets. And you can't help but think that had this been big um, acute trust rather than mental health trusts that were affected, it would have been front page um, news. Maybe this trust might have knocked them off a little bit, but it, it's been a really serious incident that's affected a lot of um, trust, a lot of patients, and it's been happening under the wire. There has been a real silence about this. NHS England didn't respond to questions for weeks and weeks. Um, and it was only really the, um, the kind of um, publication of trust board papers from affected trust that gave us a route into the story. We've been banging our head against the wall for about a month and a half on this one. Um, so yeah, um, so as far as we know, those trusts um, still don't have access to electronic patient record systems. Um, I think Coventry and Worcester, I want to say, no, that can't be right. Coventry Warwickshire, Warwickshire. Um, was due to be the first to recover, um, but we haven't heard for sure whether they've um, been kind of recovered or not. And um, certainly the, the, the kind of word on the street is that some of these trusts aren't expecting to get systems back to 2023. We think that care homes are also really badly affected, um, but we haven't yet had a chance to kind of really kind of do the digging needed um, on that as well. So yeah, it's pretty bad, yeah? That's it. For such a serious attack, really, how much do you think that the slow response, as we said, it's been two and a half months, is it taken seriously enough in the NHS cyber defence? Um, I think when I first joined um, Digital Health, I think it was kind of in the aftermath of WannaCry, which kind of, as as John mentioned, was kind of a more of a wide scale incident, because that's they're kind of the two ones that I've got to compare with because with WannaCry that made real national headlines because it wasn't just the NHS affected, it wasn't a targeted attack. So it got picked up by a lot of nationals um, kind of, and also the more you know generic kind of technology and, and computer websites. But with this one, there was kind of an odd sort of, I think it was more when NHS 111 was affected that you know you got the likes of the nationals getting interested. But for this one, there doesn't seem to be too much kind of acknowledgement of it which I, I found quite interesting given the, the sort of the, the scale of it and, and the impact that it's had on mental health trust care homes etc etc and I do think I know John's kind of always been saying wanna cry part two is going to happen um for a, for a very long time um 
And I think this kind of response and what has actually happened shows that perhaps maybe not enough is being done um, to sort of help with, you know, cyber responses. Um, we also had recently the, the issues with CERNA, um, CERNA Millennium, which FYI, we've been told numerous times was not a CERNA issue. It was an issue with NHS Digital's platform or, or a platform, sorry, which NHS Digital intervened and got sorted. When you compare those two, how they were both kind of uh, addressed, the CERN and Millennium issue was resolved, was basically resolved overnight, but this one's obviously taken a lot longer. And I know obviously it's ransomware, there's other kind of third parties involved, but I think given how long it's been going on, does show that potentially there is a lack of um, not just policy, but um, things in place to help trust deal with this. John? Um, I, th- I think that's a really well-made point, um, Hannah. Um, I think what, what's really interesting about the advanced attack, um, other than the fact it's ongoing with the recovery, and they're not there yet. Um, so just think about the disruption. I mean, th- these electronic patient records contain details of medication for, you know, some patients with um, serious mental health problems. Um, you know, and um, you know, we've heard that trusts are having to kind of fall back on SharePoint, you know, basically Microsoft kind of um, office systems. Um, you know, it, it has been, as the board papers say, critical kind of incident um, for them. Um, I think if you pull back though, and think about it as kind of um, what, what can the NHS do, what can it learn from this? Um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't NHS um, networks or systems that were hit, it was a supplier. So what, what this really kind of shows is that when thinking about cybersecurity, the um, NHS needs to think about its entire supply chain. So you know, it needs assurance from suppliers like Advanced um, that they have got the necessary kind of um, um, you know, measures and infrastructure recovery policies um, in place. And I think there's been quite a bit of disquiet that um, you know, in the case of um, Advanced, it grew through acquisition very quickly. Acquisitions, you know, it's always difficult to kind of bring different companies, different infrastructures together. Um, and there's a suspicion that might be one of the things that's um, caused some problems here. Going to Hannah's point about um, CERNA and the problems um, we're told uh, with the interaction with the um, NHS digital smart card um, server, Again, it shows that you have a complex um, set of interdependent kind of infrastructure and services, and you have to be thinking about your entire supply chain, not just what's happening within um, within the kind of walls of um, your hospital um, or trust. Um, you know, that's difficult enough, but you have to think in a much more distributed kind of way. And, and particularly, I think, when you come into the um, ICS world, where it's all about orchestration across multiple health and care um, domains. Um, I think it, you know, I, I knew virtually nothing about um, Lockbit 3.0, which is the uh, malware um, that um, that was identified. Um, but you know, it is a it is a particularly nasty tool, um, which is um, used. Um, you know, big companies have been affected by this. You know, the NHS has been targeted by serious kind of cybersecurity kind of um, actors who are um, targeting it for kind of ransomware payments. This is not kids in a basement kind of thinking, you know, wouldn't it be fun? Yeah, mm-hmm. this is nasty, um, you know, organisations, um, um, sometimes kind of state actors or um, thought to be linked to kind of state actors. You know, the NHS needs to kind of like really take cyber uh, more seriously. Yeah. Sorry, rant over. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely agree. And you know, it's 
over five years now since WannaCry, isn't it? We thought that would be the the last attack of that kind, but clearly it hasn't been. Have there been any lessons at all learned since that attack in 2017? It seems like there haven't been many lessons learned. I, I, I think so. I think I think you know we, we certainly kind of um, you know um, have been told, and there's been kind of you know um, you know regular kind of um, you know reports that um, that. A lot of work has been done on securing kind of national infrastructure like the NHS network, um, patient identifier um, service. So those types of kind of infrastructures, the vaccine service um, um, during the kind of pandemic, those types of infrastructures, I think, are, are very well protected um, by national agencies. Yeah? Uh, but as I say, it's the fact that kind of um, health is so complex and so fragmented and distributed that you have to kind of constantly thinking about where threat vectors are um, beyond the last one. Uh, what wanna cry in many ways, the NHS got lucky. You know, the kill switch was kind of, um, was triggered in that kind of um, pretty early on. Um, it was, you know, not a complete kind of um, piece of malware that was kind of put out. Um, and, um, you know, the NHS was just incidental. These are, the difference with the one that we're describing um, from August on is that it was specifically targeted and advanced for a ransom um, demand. And by the way, we don't know whether a ransom was paid. Um, I'm told that what happens is that you don't pay the ransom, but what you do is you hire very expensive um, security consultants who part of their service may just be um, paying a ransom on your behalf. So you have deniability um, when when, um, asked, have you paid the ransom? Um, so we don't know, and I think that that kind of lack of kind of visibility on this um, has been one of its kind of um, features. There hasn't been much discussion about kind of um, what's been going on. NHS England has had a wall of silence, um, and um, I think that's a question for the future. Do we need to be more transparent about some of these attacks um, and um, enable lessons to be learned more easily? Absolutely, yeah. I mean. Yeah, clearly, the NHS, they don't at the moment really know what a good response looks like to a cyber incident, and it's a big question really. Hannah, do you have any answers to that? What a, a good, a perfect response, that's a big word, a, no, a decent response to I mean, I, I'm nowhere near qualified to, to sort of say kind of uh, what a good response is really, but I think what I found interesting when kind of I was trying to speak to various people about what was going on, that wall of silence that John mentioned is... May I'd, I'd have understanding with the media and not kind of letting off too much information that wasn't reported, but it was the fact that they weren't telling other teams, like other mental health trusts, what was going on because there was a concern that even though they might not have the, the software impacted, it could kind of lead to maybe other sort of their software basically being targeted and they wanted to know what was going on, what was being done so they could maybe prepare themselves or protect themselves. So I think having, I mean, we always bang on or go on about, sorry, having the networks and having collaboration, discussion, people learning from each other um, and and kind of when you go through things like healthcare IT, but there didn't seem to be much of that from the centre of this is what we're doing, this is how you could protect yourself. Um, you know, like John says, transparency. So I think having more of that would make up a better response because then you can almost preempt it happening to other trusts. And if it does happen to them, they kind of have a knowing or a, a footing of what they could do 
as an immediate response. So I don't think I can sit there and say this is a gold standard response for what you should do. But I found that really striking that they weren't even letting other trusts know what was happening. Well, um, I think there was a, more of that going on than we had visibility. Potentially, on. yeah. yeah. And um, I think, you know, certainly that there was a nationally coordinated um, response. Um, my guess for what it's worth is that it's just taken far longer than they ever anticipated um, because they've not been able to recover systems. You know, usually you're meant to have resilience um, and, um, you know, you recover um, from an attack um, pretty quickly. Something clearly has gone very, very badly wrong um, in this case. And, um, you know, um, I think advanced have some difficult kind of um, days and months ahead of them, um, um, you know, once they've um, actually kind of recovered from this incident. Absolutely, yeah, it definitely has. I'm sure it must have taken a lot longer than I expected, but you can't help but think, would it, be a, would it have been a lot quicker if there was a clear national policy? But, you know, there has been a, a lack of movement behind that, and you kind of question, why is that there? Well, I, th- I think there has, there has been movement, but whether or not, I mean, we, we've seen a dramatic, if you go back five years ago, 2017, May 2017, when WannaCry happened, the NHS clearly was using a lot of digital systems, um, heavy, heavy kind of reliance, but there was a step change that happened, particularly during the pandemic of um, reliance on kind of um, systems. Um, and, um, and, you know, and as the NHS becomes more and more reliant on digital and data to deliver core services, it has to make a commensurate kind of um, commitment to making sure those systems are secure, resilient, um, and that um, data is safe and protected. Yeah? Now, the fact that data was exfiltrated here, I mean, it sounds like some sort of CIA kind of movie, doesn't it? Yeah? Um, is really serious. This happened in Ireland last year when Ireland also suffered an attack on its um, health system and a significant amount of patient data was, um, was kind of taken by um, attackers. And, um, you know, you hear stories now that, um, that um, some people in Ireland are now being targeted um, for, um, you know, health tourism, for instance, or for insurance products um, based on, um, it's assumed, some elements of their, their, what they thought were confidential and secure patient records. Um, you know, once, once patient data is gone, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah? Once mm-hmm. it's kind of out there on the dark web, uh, or otherwise kind of um, no longer within the um, within the kind of um, safety of um, the NHS um, that you know the stable door um, closing again afterwards is a bit late then. yeah I mean what do you think the impact of a, a lack of direction from the center could have on the NHS organizations Hannah, if, if it kind of continues like this mm. enough? I think these incidents, I think, are always going to happen because you're always, these hackers and these malware, I don't know how they do it, I've got kind of no background, I'm not a hacker. Um, they're, so they're, it wasn't you, Hannah. It was not me, I'm, I'm ruling myself out. ruled out. I'm ruled out. Um, but they're always going to find new way. I guess it's like with any kind of tech, you know, ba- banking now, they now have the two-factor authentication because people were finding ways around to hack into people's banking. You know, there's always going to be people that are trying to get your information, trying to get passwords. So it's not, I suppose, it's just about keeping it up to date and keeping it fresh, um, I suppose. And not so much a lack of policy, but it's making sure that they are staying up to date with not what also is going on kind of in terms of malware and things like that, but also with the changing landscape that we now got, like John was saying, with integrated care systems, you know, you're now, we've got organisations that are covering huge areas, they're trying to join up healthcare. And, you know, we've 
done did this sort of round table recently with some ICS leaders and they one of the priorities that kept coming up was cyber and um, so it is on their radar so it's just about having a bit more uniformity and you know we talk about things like leveling up you know you can associate that with things with cyber so I think it's not so much lack of policy it's more keeping ahead of the times and staying no I don't want to say keep a finger on the pulse because I'm saying way too many sort of metaphors and all that kind of stuff <laughs> way too many cringy um, sayings but I think not so much a lack but keeping it on the radar keeping it on people's agenda is going to help so much as well I think one of the reasons which um, which understand we kind of um, you know NHS organisations um, don't want to kind of um, um, publicly kind of broadcast that um, they've um, you know been attacked and there's been a breach or data's been lost is um, reputation. I mean you know it's hugely important that the public have confidence um, that their um, their most personal um, details um, are secure and safe um, and um, you know. There, there is a big reputational cost um, to organisations in healthcare, not not just in the UK but you know internationally, that are hit by kind of um, hit by kind of cyber attacks, and we're seeing this kind of um, you know very regularly in the in the US where um, there's different kind of legislation in place. So they, they have the HIPAA regulations which um, require reporting when you have had an, an attack, yeah? um, which um, which just means there's a bit more kind of visibility. Um, or kind of um, attacks in the kind of US and there's real financial losses that are associated with this as well but I think the reputation was very difficult one to kind of come back from um, so um, I hope that you know everyone kind of is spurred to kind of look at their supply chain um, ask some searching questions of their suppliers um, and um, and you know think what more can we do and how can we recover I think that that's one of the big things from this is attack is imagine if your systems went down and you couldn't get them back up again. You know, what's your disaster and response plan on this? Yeah, yeah I think it'd be interesting to see whether this advanced attack does trigger quite a, the attitudes to change towards cybersecurity, whether we will now see a bit more movement, a bit more effort to make sure this doesn't happen again, because maybe maybe enough wasn't done five years ago to ensure that a similar thing didn't happen again. I guess we'll find out in the next few months and years, won't we? I, you know, I guess we will. Essentially, cyber's, um, from kind of the last couple of months, cyber's not the only sort of section of healthcare IT that's not had much kind of national policy love. Um, as I'd like to say, the last couple of weeks, kind of, we've been going to shows um, last couple of months, um, lots of key figures turning up, you know, Simon Bolton, Tim Ferriss, um, and, and whatnot. And they're turning up to events, not really making too many announcements. Um, and you know there could be a number of factors involved ICS has just come into formation is it kind of they're waiting for them to kind of become a bit more mature is it because of the current government situation we have a new health secretary um I think is it is it the third or fourth in the last few years losing, no, losing no, third, count, yeah. yeah third one now because we had Sajid and Matt um you know there's so much going on but that lack of not being able to make any announcements you know we've had over the past few years digital aspirants we've had um all these sorts of funding projects and um things that have been announced at shows but at the moment there seems to to be a lack and i've recently was at a show where simon bolton said i've got nothing to announce and it's that's a promising start to a speech yeah isn't it? and yeah. it's just it's quite i don't think i've ever had this 
period of time where there's been nothing to announce, especially shows around this time, kind of your September, October time, because you're just going into autumn and, and winter and things like that. And there, there hasn't really been much movement. And again, like I said, it could be linked to kind of current events, but I think cyber is not the only kind of, uh, like I said, section that's not getting much love. I think there's kind of a more broader issue there as well. I think that there, there is kind of like some policies and trade which um, which um, are actually delivering in the background. I mean, the kind of um, levelling up stuff, quite a lot of trust are getting kind of um, money coming through, not as much as they might perhaps in some cases. Um, so I think I think that kind of stuff that's been kind of um, working its way through the system for a little while um, is happening. Um, and there's been some high profile kind of um, go lives. I mean, Manchester um, going live with kind of Epic, I think is one of the biggest kind of um, um, digitalization projects um, in, in Europe, um, in, in the healthcare system. But with with the big, big swinging cuts in, in staff numbers, NHSD and NHSE as they kind of merge together, it does feel like people have kind of stuck their heads um, in the sand a bit and, and retreated. Um, which is understandable when you've got big organizational changes kind of happening. Um, but I know what you mean, Anna. It feels like we're waiting for what comes next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I heard um, the chief executive of the King's Fund speak last week, and um, very, very, very good um, at, at kind of stitching together different data points into kind of one overarching kind of picture. Um, and, and he was making the point that you know all of the kind of needles are, are pointed to the red at the moment in terms of numbers of waiting lists, um, in terms of kind of um, you know pressures building on access to uh, primary care, public perceptions about GP services, um, and you only look at that kind of with um, with the absolute chaos happening kind of um, nationally um, in politics and. It's going to be a rough winter for the NHS, so maybe you know hunkering down and no new initiatives um, is um, what we should be kind of expecting for a while. Yeah, I mean Jordan, you were kind of at King's Fund when Tim Ferriss was speaking, and you know, then you said again there wasn't kind of too many headlines from that. No, yeah, he, he said the NHS are too static, which is which you could agree with. I'm not sure how well that went down in the room. But uh, again, to echo what you were saying, really, he didn't, he didn't have anything major to announce. He was talking about his recent trip to Saudi Arabia and meeting their Minister for Health and, and how good their healthcare is there. Um, but no, I think it was, if anything, more kind of constructive feedback about the NHS than being too static, needing to learn more from ourselves and from others. So mm. the NHS learning more from the NHS, he said. So yeah. take that what you will. Okay, That's too static, um, yeah. and let's you know think about moving to Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure how helpful that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's it's going to be like John said. It's going to be an interesting few months. Um, hopefully, the government at some point will settle. We don't know if there's going to be a general election. We don't know if there's going to be a leader. I mean, this could be outdated by the time we publish. You never know. know. <laughs> could have kind of like a "Have I got news for you?" moment where you know the chance has gone or something like that. Mm. So. You know, who knows what what's going to happen in the next few weeks? But I do, and I, you know, I hope that you know it, this doesn't kind of put people off from doing what they're doing at the moment. Because I've we've spoken at length before about the the work that's being done at a local level is really good, and some of the, these people are putting in, you know, 
crazy hours to to put together projects and and apply for funding and and try trying everything they can to make sure that digital remains on high on the agenda because it, it should do and it can help with these problems like backlogs elective recovery you know digital is one of the, the tools that could be used so Let's just hope it continues, and let's hope they're saving up all the re-announcements for Rewired next year. Yes, all the, all the exclusive <laughs> announcements yeah. for the Rewired. Well, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, um, is it appropriate to say that this is going to be your last um, digital health um, podcast, well, certainly for digital health, maybe you'll come back <laughs> as a guest, um, yes. but you're off the passes new, Anna. Tell us, tell us about it. Yep, so yep, this is hopefully well, should be my last one, um, my last new team podcast. Um, I am off to Bart's Health NHS Trust uh, to work in their media team. So lots going on, kind of joining the NHS at a, a time when there's sort of plenty to for them to report on. So, you know, they've got big birthdays, they've got kind of all sorts of things happening. So I'm really looking forward to it. But last kind of five years of digital health have been... Um, completely more than I expected to be honest and um, didn't you know kind of doing everything I didn't think I'd ever do a podcast I didn't think I'd um, be able to people to listen to my voice so that's always nice um, but yeah it's been a really great five years and who knows I could be back you never know in terms of being a guest of course oh, Hannah, yeah. well um, all the best <laughs> for the future with the new job um, you'll be sorely missed on the digital health kind of news team absolutely um, but um, yeah we'll have to get you back in the future <laughs> hopefully yeah I think that's about all we've got time for on this episode. It flies by, doesn't it? We're having a good old conversation. Um, yeah, thank you very much to Hannah and John for joining me for this in-person news team debrief. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Available on all your favourite podcast platforms. And we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, take care. listening to Digital Health Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favourite podcast platform. And to find out about our latest news and events, head to our website, digitalhealth.net.